Welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo. This week, I'm excited to bring you Herbert Anderson, who is going to share a wealth of knowledge about how you can capitalize on all of the opportunities in the fixed ops. All right, here he is. I'm sitting down with, oh, I wish I could say it with your beautiful accent, Herbert. <laughs> You, there was a drum on in there somewhere. Mr. Anderson, uh, you know, I want to just dig into this with you because we're, we're going to be talking about subject matter that uh, we don't talk about often on the playbook, which is crazy. Uh, fixed operations. You wrote an article on LinkedIn that we're going to dig into. Lots of good stuff here. Definitely, we're going to link to it in the show notes. Um, the, the title of this article, The New Service Department, and you're seeing it as you're in and out of dealerships, consulting with them and helping them understand what's working, what's not working, or maybe you probably see this all the time, like actually helping them understand the attribution path. Like, hey, sure, it, yeah. it's not run Facebook ad and get leads. Sometimes it's run Facebook ad, track visitor for 70 days and then lead happens, you know? Um, but it's interesting, you know, from that perspective, as you're dealing with a lot of the SEM and SEO world, that you're feeling a, a gravitational pull, as it were, to the service department, to fixed operations. This article, the new service department, you, you outlined some things that dealers, it, from your observation, should be focused on. But I want to turn this over to you. Why service department amidst, amidst all of the gaslighting that's going on right now about digital retail and, and remote retail? What is it that's pulling you towards fixed ops? Yeah, man. So, um, you know, I feel like, like you just said right now, like there's, there's a lot of talk in the industry about buying online and digital retailing and all these things. And there are important. I think that those are things that dealers should be definitely looking at, but they've been here, you yeah. know, digital retailing, buying online. Those are conversations that we've been having for a while. Uh, but when we look at the service department and what, what, kind of like what's happening right now, it kind of came from nowhere. It forced those departments to really adjust the way that they do business. And more importantly, it's not like you can just be like, okay, we're back to normal. Like some of the stuff that, that we're doing right now, like uh, hands-free hands-off services or, or, you know, pickups and drop-offs, those sorts of things are going to be here to stay, you know what I mean? And in order for us to compete moving forward, we're going to have to accommodate the customers that want to do business that way. And yeah. so I don't, I feel like there's, um, we're not really paying a lot of attention uh, to what that really means. Right. Because yeah. if we're, you know, the one thing that, that we've been doing, and I think, you know, kudos to the industry because we're, we've been doing it really well has been, we've been reacting and adapting, but now the future of that department needs to be proactive thinking, right? Yeah. How are we going to navigate through this? Yeah. We, we uh, triaged. Right. Like, and, and that, you know, what you just said makes me think like, Hey, we, we were good at reacting. Like we tree, I think widespread, the industry triaged the pandemic really well. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you though. Like, what's your take on this? I, I, I hope that they don't mistake triage for lasting sustainable process or procedure. Like you say, a lot of these things are here to stay, but I wonder how many are going to stay where the new normal is going to be the triage approach that they've been taking and not like, okay, now we need to actually, now that things are opening up, we need to like pay more attention to this and see if we can massage it out a little bit and, 
Do you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, no. And, and that's a great point because the other thing is that these things, you know, six months ago would have been uh, differentiators, right? Th- yeah. These things like pick up, you know, um, customer pickup and drop off, for example, like that would have been something that, that differentiate a dealership in their area. Now right. it's normal. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. everybody's doing. And so, um, you know, as you're, as leaders in those departments, how do you, what's the thought here? How are we going to create those advantages in the future when, you know, you have now people that are doing it, if they're, if, you know, depending on their business and if they're doing right they're they have extended hours, they're, they're picking up and dropping off customers. Um, you know, they have all these things in place to make their customers feel safe, to let customers know what's going on in their dealership, to let them know that they're, that they're, you know, they're doing business and all these things. And so, um, you know, what do we do now to, to be different, right. To create that experience. Yeah. And it's funny you use that, that word specifically experience, because I think, and I think that's, you know, we're riding the same wave in that what I'm thinking is like, okay, let's, when I say like, let's massage this out, it's like, okay, well, how do we improve the experience? The one true differentiator that we're always going to have is like, who is the individual that I'm dealing with? Cause they're not the same person at every dealership and what kind of experience are they going to deliver? Like what thoughts are going on inside of that beautiful brain of theirs about how they can differentiate the experience they offer versus some other business. Like here's a, here's a real world example. Um, so I ride motorcycles. If you couldn't tell by the beard and ball, I like, I, I'm sure <laughs> if you don't ride my man, then, then it's, it's somewhere in your near future. I can just feel it. <laughs> Ball, us bald headed bearded dudes. Um, so like an idiot, I'm pressure washing my motorcycle and end up like closing all the fins on the radiator. <laughs> like an idiot. I'm like, whoa, this thing was dirty. And I'm just blasting it. Well, now I need a new radiator. So I submit a request, a parts request. This is po- like, I guess not post COVID. I guess we're still in COVID, but like this is right. Co- current to COVID, it took them five days to send me a quote back via email. Wow. When, like, you know, to your point about the whole digital retail thing, and we're so folk, like, th- this is, I feel like human nature, we go right to the, the oh, the end is, let's buy a $78,000 truck completely online. Dude, freaking just let me buy a radiator <laughs> online. Start your Shopify store, put your stock on there. Or whatever, like whatever it is, but like, how can we get to digital retail of this $80,000 hunk of metal when I'm not selling my $350 hunk of metal digitally? And it took you five days to get me a quote back, bro. And then you tell me it's going to take another five to seven. I'm out. eBay, here I come. Yeah, no, it's that dude. That's brilliant. I love that. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And, you know when you think about it, I mean, look at, look at some of these progressive uh, um, dealerships. Like, you know, I, I always uh, talk about Paragon Honda because I think some of the stuff that Brian Benstock has done there, although the reason for it is because um, you know, a lot of it has to do where, where he is geographically and all those things, but that that's the kind of stuff that he's, he was, he, he saw that vision. He was, right. he was progressive in his thinking and he was able to create a niche for himself. And so um, you know, that makes total sense. Like, how can we, how can we go all the way, you know, where we're, you know, selling that car online when we can't even get it, get something 
simple done first, like to your point of, of selling those parts effectively online. Right. So, yeah, no. So, so as you, as we think about, um, fixed operations, one of the things that you said pre-show that I want to touch on, because I think it's brilliant is, you know, main getting to a point where, um, there's still this personal touch in a physical distancing world. I don't know what the, the like spill off is going to be. We're going to have people walking around thinking there's a zombie apocalypse probably like, I don't know, maybe my, like the, the wager I think in my household is that my 10 soon to be 11 year old is going to be like 18 before we see our last, like, you know, person comfortable taking off a face mask or something, or maybe, maybe not. Maybe like we're just plexiglassed, you know, in, and that's the way it is. But I love what you said. You said, well, let's, let's talk about what dealers can do to, to increase or enhance that personal touch in a physical distance world. So I want to, I want to dig into your mind here. What are some thoughts that you've had about maintaining a personal touch? What could it, let's maybe eliminate the physical distance part of it right now. Like what do you see dealers could be doing to just increase their level of personal touch? Well, it's interesting because one of the things that I've noticed, um, as you know, as I consult with dealerships and just spend time at the dealer is I see all the, all the things that they've done to, to kind of accommodate to the situation with the gloves and the mask and the germ shields and all right. those things. But I also notice customers walking around those shields, yeah. you know, not wearing masks yeah. and not wearing gloves and wanting to have that personal connection with, you know, that, that ASM, because that's the person probably that they've dealt with for the last two or three years. And they have, you know, they have a relationship, you know what I mean? And so I think that, that, um, that's going to be the challenge is to figure out, figuring out how to still have that personal connection with your customer. Um, but you know, you also have to be cognizant of, of where we are and you know, that customers might be hesitant or afraid or scared to go into your dealership or they, they, they maybe for the ones that are there, um, they just want to make, they want to know that you're doing things to, to ensure their safety, the safety of your employees. So for example, some just kind of some tidbits or takeaways, you know, ensure the customers, let the customers know what you're doing would be my number one, my number one uh, um, recommendation. And Mm -hmm. don't just don't, don't look at it like, um, educate the customer when they're there in, in, in the dealership, but go, go out to these different channels like social media. Like I don't see a lot of social media campaigns right now for dealerships, just real stuff, man, not commercial and overly produced, just real stuff of, Hey, Mr. Customer, this is what we're doing to ensure that you're safe. This is what the, these are the process changes that we've made in our dealership. Yeah. Um, you know, apply to that. I think in, you know, Facebook, Instagram right now, those, those mediums are, are prime for, for conveying that message. And it's a very, very effective way to communicate with your customer. But you know, if you, if you're doing other things, like if you're doing traditional media and all that, whatever you're doing channel wise, just make sure that that message is consistent across the board because that customer wants to have, they want, you know, they want to be, they want to be in the know of what you're doing and that's going to make them feel more comfortable to do business with you. And if you are offering some, some, some alternate services, I would just caution you to be really, really careful that whatever you're offering right now, you have to be prepared to offer forever. Yeah, You know what I mean? So be very, very careful with how you set up that messaging. Yeah. Like this is, this is, this is life and it's only going to evolve from here. Um, I like what you're saying about running campaigns 
um, we, we kind of joke about this, the whole attribution thing where people are like, no, the, the Facebook ad, and I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, but the Facebook ad, in order to get it co-opt, must have a vehicle. It must have a price. It must display payments. It must, must, must. And then what happens is we've been, been kind of like led to believe like, oh, well, the ad must be a direct offer to purchase something. And if not, and then of course, how many leads did I get from this offer to purchase something? And then it's like, oh no, my ads suck. I didn't, I only got five leads and I spent X, but I love what you're talking about. It's like, no, hold on. I should be putting money behind advertising anything that can enhance my ability to get the message out. And so like, why wouldn't I in this context, you know, I'm curious on your point, like, but like, why wouldn't I, my brain's moving faster than I want it to. Some of the, some of the (laughs) videos, some of the videos that I watch on YouTube, for example, is like some dude that's just like on his phone and he's, you know, he's explaining something and you just see his hand and he's just like pointing at stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen video like today, I'm going to show you how to make this blah, blah, blah. And we're going to do it. And you're like, I'm watching a video of a guy filming his hand pointing at things. It's the weirdest thing. But like, I would almost like make videos that are like, Hey, Hey, it's Michael Cirillo here at the most famous dealership on planet earth, ABC motors. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm right. going to show you our new process and how you can get to the service department quickly to get your vehicle serviced or whatever. So, and then it's like, boom, when you drive, and for those that can't see the video who are listening to audio only, I am demonstrating with my cell phone, like, Hey, so you're going to walk through the doors. You're going to take a right here. You're going to go to the back counter there and you're going to talk to so-and-so here are the people that will be here when you're here. Um, here's the hours that were available and that's how you get to our service department with the new physical distancing, distancing procedures. And then like putting ad dollars behind that. Mm-hmm. Is that something you would like, what, what would you recommend? Is that a good idea? Is that like, uh, I don't know. No, I would totally do that. So here's the deal. Like I feel that we, we, I don't like to generalize, but I mm-hmm. feel like there's a lot of, of, misunderstanding or misuse when it comes to social media. I think we're failing to look, and this is not the car business. This is as a whole, sure. but we fail to look at, at social media for the potential that it has. To me, social media is the new TV. Like radio went from radio, we went to TV, and then from TV, we're going into this new era. And what I mean by that is that you, there's an audience there. And with the specificity of the data, you can target whoever you want. You can even upload your DMS up onto Facebook and target those customers, right? And so if you start to look at the platform like that, now you can really um, pretty much put any messaging that you want on there. So it doesn't just have to be about the, hey, come buy my car sort of a deal. But right now with the current situation, um, I think that, that we're missing on not utilizing that to convey, to educate, to tell customers what we're doing differently. Um, and yeah, put some money behind it. It's, you know, if you break it down cost per, per capita, it's going to be very, very cheap. You know what I mean? And if you're, if you're looking at it from a marketing standpoint, your, your ultimate objectives should be to get the most frequency for the least amount of spend. I mean, that's, that's all, that's a 50,000 view of marketing. But when I consult with my dealers, the stores that I work with, that's my objective. I want to get you the most frequency with the right message at the least amount of cost to you. 
uh, and Facebook, Instagram, YouTube are platforms that do that really, really, really well. And in my opinion, the dealership of the future should be one that has its own content studio sort of a deal, right? They're producing content. They have all the equipment. Everything's done internally because that way you can control the message. And that's really what it comes down to. Now we're the editors of our own content. We can create the content and we have the channels of distribution. We just need to now put it into place, look at the platforms for what it is and go out there and do it. Yeah. So definitely embrace technology. And that's one of the things that you talk about in your article. You also talk about like how a time like this is going to give us an opportunity to increase gross. Um, but you, you mentioned that, you, you know, you're, you might experience or you'll likely experience a decrease in ROs, but increase in profits. Why, why is that? Like, what's your reasoning or thought process behind that? Sure. So I, I, so I grew up in the service service department, you know, I was a loop tech tire technician service manager. Um, and um, the, the way that I see it is, um, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of customers that typically the way that business is right now, it's an influx of, of just maintenance, right? right? Lots of oil change, the way that cars are right today, you don't need things like tune-ups and things that, you know, when I was a service manager were things that we were doing all the time. So you will see a decrease in that because customers are not driving, they're staying home and all those things. But your RO, your, your, not your RO, but your grosses should go up because if you look at the mean year of vehicles, which is 11 plus years, I think there was an article in USA Today or something like that where it talked about an increase of 4%. Mm. And so if you look at it like that, that means that there's a lot of old, old vehicles out there in the market and people are scared, right? They want to make sure that they have a, a, a effective, reliable means of transportation. So I feel like a lot of that business is going to drive. It's going to go to the drive, excuse me. And people are going to be more willing to spend on their vehicles. And so you're going to have less of that activity because a lot of people are going to be staying home. You know, they're not going to be servicing right now. And the people that do go to the dealership are people that are going to be ready to spend some money. Right. So, yeah. It makes, makes yeah. total sense. It, so in your experience as a service manager and, and bringing up uh, the Paragon Honda example, I mean, like you look at and, and you talk about this a little bit in your article, like increasing your hours, adding second shifts. I mean, Paragon went to like an extreme and they're like, we're going to do 24 seven service. And I understand his reasoning behind that. Like, hey, I look he looked at his market and he was like, well, there's a lot of civil servants, police, fire, paramedic, like all these sorts of things that live in my area. So they can't necessarily get their vehicle to service during regular business hours because they're ending their shift at midnight or starting their shift at midnight or like whatever it is. In your experience as a service manager, if I wanted to break the or, or advance, I was going to say break from the norm. I guess that applies in my service department and start thinking out of the box like Brian has that Paragon to be able to facilitate the need out there, like you're saying, like nobody, not a lot of people want to ride public transit right now. Mm -hmm. A vehicle quickly went from like kind of this borderline utility luxury thing to like, no, this is a, this is a utility. Like I need this thing. What would you do? What are you looking at as a service director, a service manager to go, Hey, here's how we're going to bump things up to be more flexible for our customers. Yeah. So for me, the number one, the, my one number one objective would be how can I, how can I 
make sure that the customer has a pleasant experience today? And more importantly, how can I, how can I ensure that they have an amazing experience in the future? So that's how I would be looking at things. And so right now, if you think about all that we talked about right now with, with uh, you know, you're, you're getting more, uh, uh, more hours, right? Because you, you're, you have more heavy work. And you got to create a social, socially distant, acceptable work environment for your people. So you're probably, you know, spaced out in stalls yep. and things of that nature. Right. There, there's a very good chance or likelihood that you're going to create some bottlenecks in your department. And so what's the alternative? Now you're going to tell the customers, hey, uh, you know, you're two weeks out, three weeks out, four weeks out. Or do we get creative up to, to you know, to um, Paragon's um, credit and start thinking outside of the box. Maybe I, maybe I, I have to open extra shifts. Maybe I have to be open at night. Maybe if I don't work on the weekends, maybe the weekends need to be open. Um, you know, we just need to start looking at the business a little bit different because, you know, when you take, when you look at where we are, I, I don't feel that customers right now are willing to put up with a lot, right? There, there's just too much stress. There's too much stuff going on in their lives. And the last thing they need is to go to a dealership to want to get their vehicle service and not be able to get, get in there for two, three weeks, depending on, on capacity or uh, being there and, and just waiting four or five hours for their car to be ready. Like I, I just, yeah. I don't think the customers have the tolerance for that right now. Do dealerships have the capacity to offer faster services than they do? And if so, what are the bottlenecks? Like, let's forget about social distance or the physical distancing. And let's just say, like, we're, we're back to it. COVID's a thing of the past, or at least we understand it more. There's vaccines. There's everything. We're allowed to open full scale again. Do we have the capacity, the ability to offer faster services? Like, why have we been stuck in this? Hey, well, we can pick you up. We can pick the vehicle up and you'll see it six hours from now. Could it not go faster? I think that I think that really depends. When I was starting out, I remember one of my mentors. I used to I used to as a service writer. I wanted to service everybody, right? right. And I wanted to get everybody in. And I'd always tell people like, um, "Hey, you know, yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll squeeze you in there." And my manager would used to get really really upset, and he'd be like, "Dude, where where are you going to squeeze them in? You're going to squeeze them between two bays? Like we don't have the space. Like you're just upsetting the customer." Right. Um, and it took me a while to, to kind of, to kind of see that logic. But I think the main thing that, that, that a lot of dealerships suffer from is, is it, it's a lack of education, right? A lack of education when it comes to scheduling your, your, your appointment, you know what I mean? And we, we still accept the walk-ins and we, we try to make concessions and for the most part, I would say that's on the service advisor side, but we try to make concessions for customers um, when we don't really have, when we can't, right? Because we, we, we have scheduled service that's flowing through our departments and then we got to take in all this walk-in business. And it, that's where, that's where, the, that's where things start to really kind of get out of hand. Yeah. There was an article, I want to say it was on the fixed stops journal in 2018 or last year. I don't remember exactly. It was, I think it was a couple of years old, but it, it was talking about a schedule service schedule scheduler um, usage. And I was very, uh, it was, it, there were shocking numbers, dude, like less than 20% of the people that go to a dealership schedule an appointment. So think about that. You start your day with 
over 80% walk-in business, people that right. don't have an appointment that is just going to create a bunch of issues yeah. and chaos within your department. And you got to do that every single day. And so um, if there were ever a time, in my opinion, if there were ever a time to, to educate your customer base on the importance of scheduling their service, now is the time. Yeah. If as an industry, as a dealership, if you're not doing that, if you're not making that like your number one priority, I think you're doing yourself some, some damage because you could, you could now you have an, all the excuse in the world to set that up and set that expectation for the customer. Just like if they were going to the doctors or, or, you know, things like that, or the dentist where you have to have a scheduled appointment, you know, you yeah. don't walk to a doctor and just sit down and be like, Hey, I'm here. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's what a walk-in clinic's for. And you're going to wait for four hours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. It it also strikes me. And I mean, this is specific to Canada right now, but I've got a headline up in front of me talking about how Walmart is shutting down all of shutting down its 106 tire lube and express car repair shops across Canada. Um, and it's funny because we always get compared to these type of like quick, you know, express the Pennzoils, the Jiffy Lubes, the Mr. Lubes, all these sorts of things. And I think that's where people think they can just get away with like walking in and hoping you can get it done in the next 15 minutes. What I also think is interesting about this is like, we've always been compared to these, you know, bigger express type stores. And why can't we be more like them? Well, Walmart shutting down its 106 locations 550 jobs are going to be lost, which means a couple of things to me. It means, A, there's a lot of free agents on the market. So if you're struggling to find technicians, there's 550 of them that are going to be in the market here real quick. The second thing is what what you just said. I feel like I I couldn't say it any better, even if I wanted to. you got to educate your customers. It's like the development world. So one of my companies, we develop software. And it's so funny because sometimes I'll, I'll go into a meeting and I'm like, you know, it'd be cool as if our software could do this. And sure enough, I, I almost like clockwork. One of the developers would be like, we've been able to do that for like three years. Mm-hmm. I was like, why didn't you tell anybody? Where was the release notes? Where was the? And how does this apply to the dealership? Well, I see like this marketing thing where it's like, you can't just run. You can't just like mention it on a Facebook post once. Like if you're going to educate customers, like dig in, educate your customers. This is a campaign. This is campaign, educate customer on service process and how to book and what to expect and who they're going to see and what does it look like and when, when does it work best and how can you get the best at like, and I'm going to be pushing this home until I'm blue in the face. And because there's always new customers coming into that market for me. That means I constantly have to be perpetually educating people. It's not just one of those things that I can be like, here's like, what do we do on our websites? Here's our service menu. But sometimes barely Mm -hmm. here's our service menu. It's like book a book, an online service. And then what happens? You fill out the form and it's like, thank you. Someone will be in touch with you shortly. And then seven days goes by (laughs) right? Exactly. (laughs) and you don't hear from anything, which for me ties back into the whole, um, Physical distance doesn't mean, or, or yeah, social or physical distancing doesn't mean you have to be personal experience distancing. Yeah, no, and that's a great point. Like, I think that that's the next thing that we need to look at is, um, okay, if we if if we have that that those physical restrictions, and what are we doing digitally for the service side of the business? Because we talk about sales all the time, 
yeah. right? It, 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 all the decision makers that I ever sit down with or all the content that I see, it's all about how can we, and I love it, right? Because I feel like we're, you know, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of momentum. It's like, how can we, how can we improve? How can we get more sales? How can we do this for, for sales? But we all, we forget often, too often about service, which is crazy to me because, because when you look at profitability, you're keeping 70 to 80 cents per every dollar in the service department. And you know how hard it's been to, to make any money on the front of the house with, when you're selling cars. Yeah. And so I don't understand why we're not focusing on that department a lot more. Like, I think we have it backwards to a certain degree. Like we should be focusing on, 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 on service a lot more and then, you know, kind of channeling to, to, to the front of the house. But, um, you know, we just don't do a lot of that within, within the industry. No, yeah. and, and as a testament, like I just in the last year, we've purchased new ve- two, two new vehicles, service and working with that dealership on service is a complete afterthought, complete and total afterthought. And part of it is like, I think a lot of people already have their quote and don't get mad at me, fix stops people, but like their mechanic. I know you all want to be called technicians, but everybody still calls you mechanics. Like, let's just be honest. Right. (laughs) And, and like, I would own it. I would be the mechanic of all mechanics if that was the case. But like, you know, you've got your, you've got your guy already at some like shop, whatever. And so this ties into that education and marketing piece for me. I got to be marketing my, like the education of why they need to, to deal with us. But like, honestly, like this happened to me the other day and I feel a little bit like, why, why am I even admitting this? But like, I got the email from the <laughs> dealership on the most recent vehicle I purchased and they're like, Hey, don't forget your six month, whatever. And I'm like, shut up. And like, it was like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about it. It's like, okay, would that be different to your point? Like, would that be different if when they sold the vehicle, I was introduced to the service department? Yeah. Well, yeah, dude, great point. Like, think about this. So, and again, one of the conversations that, that, that I have often is why are we focused so much on, on getting new customers? I don't understand when we look at NADA numbers, I think the vehicle acquisition number is like five to 600 bucks per new customer. You have a DMS, unless you're a brand new dealership, you have a database with thousands of customers. Mm-hmm. Not only are, do you have thousands of customers, but these are customers that have already said yes to you because they bought from you. Yeah. Right. And, and if you, and if you uh, segment your list, right, you can not only talk to those customers that bought from you, but you can talk to those customers that bought from you and continue to service in your dealership. What are the chances that you can communicate with those customers more effectively and at a lower cost? If they bought the car from you and they've serviced it ever since, ever since they bought them until current. Right. You know what I mean? You can send them an email for free and the, the, the open rate and consumption of that information is going to be significantly higher and it's going to cost you nothing. Yeah. And so we, we, when we, when we're, I, we're focused on, on sell, 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 but then we, we miss on the, okay, we sold a car. This is when the job starts. That's not the end of it. That's not where it ends. Hey, let's high five each other. We sold another car. Okay. Let's go do it again. No, that's when it starts. That's when that, when that loyalty, when that, when that long-term relationship begins and to your point, like, why are we not introducing that customer to all the departments in our dealership and, and walking, welcoming them to the family? You know what I mean? Why do you think that? Like, I mean, 
Is it because traditionally speaking, the service department is already generating more and preserving more revenue or profit than the front line that they kind of are like, is it a comfort issue? Like, oh yeah, well, it's already, we know it's doing okay that we're not going to invest more into it. Like, is it a comfort zone thing or is it just, is it an ignorance thing? Like, what do you think it is the barrier to putting more focus on, on fixed ops? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, that's a great question, man. But, you know, in, I could answer, I, I'm going to attempt to answer it, but it's going to sound like a generalization. Yeah, uh, let me just preface. Sure. I know that there's dealers, there's a lot of dealers out there that do it well, right? but there's a lot of dealers that don't, that they're just, they, 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 they work as silos. I had somebody on my, on my podcast one time that talked about independent islands, right? So it's like independent islands and you only go to that other island when it's on fire, right? That's the only time for the rest of the time. If your island is, is good and there's no issues, you stay there. Right. And so we, 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 we just, we're not bridging those gaps. And if we did, I think that we would, um, dude, we, we, as far as selling cars, it would be, we, we'd have a better operation. To me, I've always said that the service department is the long-term success strategy for your dealership. Mm. Because if you can get that customer there and you can build that loyalty and that customer is coming to you uh, beyond two years after owning that vehicle, which is when that the warranties typically from the manufacturer typically expire, dude, you got that customer for life. And what's going to happen when that customer needs another car or his son needs a car, or their daughter or their friend or their, you know, like it's just going to feed so much business to the operation. Um, that, you know, it, it just, and it's, it's going to be an ongoing thing. Yeah. So it, it's one of those funny things, right? Like if I'm a sales guy, it's my bias is towards sales. So I go, oh, well you see, but it's the sales that are going to fuel more customers into service. And then if I'm a service guy or if I'm a fixed ops guy, I'm like, well, no, like my bias leans towards fixed. And so it's always interesting seeing the, the two different sides of this, but you know, you're, you're right. And I agree with you. The way I see this is that the fixed ops and service department has a greater ability to serve more at a greater scale and for a longer term than the once every three to five years that somebody purchases a vehicle. And I can use my fixed ops department as a way to leverage the relationship for a longer period of time and keep those customers loyal, to keep them referring, to demonstrate hospitality then I can once every three to five years that I get that chance from the sales department. Yeah, no, it, I, I agree. And, 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 you know, you, you made a good point. Like it, you're right. There, there, there is that us versus them sort of a deal for the most part. And we got to start looking at as us together because yep. the, the, we, the service department does need you to sell cars in the front of the house because that's going to drive, that's going to drive business. No question. And, and so it goes, right. So, so, so the circle, the circle goes, but, but that, that needs to be a kind of a cohesive type of a, a relationship because, you know, it, it all funnels, man, right. It, it's all part of the business. You're one unit. You're, you the goal should be not just to sell the car, but let's sell the car. Let's service that customer. Let's build that loyalty. And, everybody in the dealership is going to benefit from that, right. from that, that sort of a system, if you mm -hmm. will. Yeah, totally. Love it, man. Hey, so there's those listening and they're like, yeah, this makes total sense to me. I need to do something from your vantage point and experience. What is something 
that they need to focus on today in order to start making these strides forward in, in fixed ops? Number one thing for me right now is communication. That's the number one thing. And you got, you have to, you have to, um, you know, you just have to educate your customers. You have to communicate with your customers about what is happening at the dealership. You got to let them know, you, you know, if you, let's say that you're a dealership that's at capacity and you have a bunch of walk-ins, that's not, that's not going to work, man. You have to communicate, let your customers know, go on to do the social media platforms and tell customers like, you need to make an appointment right now. Here's how you do it and, and create a, a tutorial on how they can go online to set up an appointment. Um, if they, if they're not comfortable digitally, give them an option to set up an appointment by calling the dealership. Um, you know, if you're, whatever you're doing, if you're picking up, if you're dropping off, if you have hands-free services, whatever it is that you're doing right now, you have to communicate that. Do you know that, that a lot of the stores that I've worked with, one of the things that they, that they, that they tell me often is that customers will say comments like, oh, we didn't even know you guys were open. Mm. That's the kind of stuff that we need to, we, that, that cannot happen. <laughs> I mean, we just can't, that we what? Yeah. Like, um, that, that, that just, that just says that we're not doing anything to educate our community, to educate our customers. Um, and, and you know, that, that's it. It's like, yo, the wacky waving inflatable flailing arm tube man outside isn't enough. You got to go yeah. deeper. You yeah. got to go deeper. And you can do it, man, with social media. Now you can go 50, you know, 50 miles, 30 miles from your dealership, own your backyard and do a post a day, 10, 20 bucks. It's not like it costs you thousands of dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're going to look back, you know, those that haven't embraced just how cheap social media uh, advertising is, we're going to look back 10 years from now and it's going to be like one of those, ah, crap. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, that's one of my biggest fears is looking back and being like, ah, crap. I hate that feeling, you know? And I'm hoping to, to your point, like what you just said, that was the first thing that came to my mind is like, it's so freaking cheap, dude. I can get eyeballs for pennies on the dollar. And, well, and I got to, but, 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 you know, like you got to break free from this. Yeah. But how do I quantify it? I mean, shouldn't I be making money directly off of, cause everybody's out there. Like the only reason I would run ads is if I could generate, you know, a dollar in return to pay for it. And it's like, shut up. Yes. You got to understand like the context of what you're trying to do right now. You're trying for pennies on the dollar, which you can't get any. You said it at the top of the interview, like it's the new TV. Yeah. Well, what does advertising on actual traditional television cost? Arm and a leg. You got to sign a waiver to hand your children off. And who's watching it today anyway? Who even pays attention? Because you know what people are doing? Because what are they selling you? They're selling you not not the commercial, but on the like listings channel. You know, it shows you like seven net new listings every five seconds. And they're selling you that top portion. You know what happens when people are on that channel? Somebody's looking at the shows that are coming up. Or they're doing this because they're yeah. waiting for the person to find the show, to find the channel. Exactly. Um, man, I, I love it. I could talk about this all day. I know you could. I sense the urgency, which I hope those listening understand the opportunity is now. The, actually, the best time to get started on this was the first day you started on the job. Yep. The second best time is now because you, you've heard it again. Take Herb's wisdom and 
don't become a walking encyclopedia. Do something with it, right? Herb, man, I want to thank you for joining me on the show. How can those listening get in touch with you to learn more about what you do? Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Um, uh, you can go to LinkedIn. Um, I have a, a, a good uh, you know, presence there. I try to put a lot of content in there and, and share as much as I can. My, my number one objective is to just anything that I do that I, that I work with dealerships on that works, I, I, I share it. Um, Facebook, you can, uh, um, go to my website at, uh, um, dealertalk.biz, uh, check us out there as well. Um, yeah. And, um, you can put my, my phone in the, in the show notes, uh, Michael, and you, you guys can call me if, if not, it's a, or it, it I'm sorry. My phone number is 702. See, see how excited he got? He's telling everybody <laughs> about what he does and this is how. This is what happens when you're passionate about uh, <laughs> about what you do right here. <laughs> that number is 702-526-0900. Call me, text me. Um, if I can help in any way, shape, or form, that's what I'm here to do. Um, so, yeah, reach out. Herb, man, you're a stud. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. <laughs>